Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another NFL episode of the Action Network podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs. Today, we're highlighting our favorite season-long player props for the 2019 NFL season. This is one of my favorite episodes of the year. Last year's episode was a lot of fun and very profitable. And uh, it was profitable because of the guy with me. Sean Corner, our director of predictive analytics and one of the top in-season fantasy football rankers for the past half decade. Sean, how excited are you for this episode? Super excited. You said this is one of your favorite episodes of the year. This is my favorite. So number one. And then, you know, we have a great guest today, which, you know, I'm even more excited about. So this should be really, really fun. Yeah. Joining us is Mike Clay, a media personality. He is on the Daily Wager on ESPN2. But then more importantly, I would say, especially for our purposes, he is an NFL prognosticator who creates all sorts of player and team projections each year. He is one of the best in the business, and that is why he is here. Mike, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Did, did you call me a media personality? I feel like uh, yeah, nerd yeah. would be more appropriate. Just go with, with straight up uh, football nerd or nerd in general. I think that's a more accurate description. For all of us, I think that would actually be a uh, a term of endearment, you know. Yeah, like, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, but you know, I, I would never dare to to call someone else a, a nerd. But I never have the temerity to do that. But uh, you can call yourself that, and I would not disagree with you. Before we dive into your favorite player props for the season, I would like to get some insight into your projection process. What are the stats you prioritize? How is it that you kind of go about each season creating your projections? Yeah, that's a, that could be a podcast in itself, right? I mean, there's just so much to it. It starts on, on so many different levels. I mean, it essentially starts at zero and you look at league-wide trends, team trends, coordinator trends, coaches, players. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of starting by analyzing all of those different areas and, you know, it kind of kind of merges together at the end. I mean, certainly a lot of statistical analysis. There's a lot of spreadsheets and, and numbers working together. And then there's, there's something I always say is there has to be that sort of subjective nature to it, right? I mean, you want to be as objective as possible, but when it comes down to it, it's you can't just use like a player's average target share from the last five years to project his target share for this season. There's so many moving parts. So and I think as we talk about through some of these players over the next hour or so, uh, you'll kind of get a feel for you know the key things that I'm looking at. All right. Mark Gallant wrote a piece for the Action Network in which he highlighted the massive edge in betting the under on season-long player props over the past two seasons. So in 2017, 71.2% of the unders hit. And then last year, that number was 61%. What are your thoughts on this trend? And do you think we will see the market come closer to 50% this year? Yeah, it's interesting for sure. I'm not sure if uh, you know the, the books have adjusted to that. I know that, look, I'm conservative with my lines, right? Like I don't, I won't project any running backs for 16 games. I'm not going to, not, not going to do that. Uh, most of them will be in that kind of 13 to 15 range. And I often get criticized with my projections on Twitter and at, at uh, ESPN for being too low and not having guys with massive ceilings. And yet I still found myself leaning towards more overs than I was comfortable with uh, as we're going to get to a little bit later. And, and as you can see in my content on the daily wager and, and in my, uh, my chalk content at ESPN, 
So that makes me nervous for sure, especially with the, the rate of injuries in the league and the amount of turnover. But um, I think, again, I think that Caesars did factor that in. I think that, uh, you know, the, the risk that comes with these players is factored into that. And that's why some of them, uh, the numbers come in a lot lower than expected. So I tried to be picky with that. If lines were close, I'm staying away or leaning under. But uh, when I have a gap of, you know, three, 400 yards uh, for a player, I, pretty, I feel pretty good about the over. Sean, what are your thoughts on this trend? I mean, from a, a kind of uh, perspective of psychology, it makes sense why uh, the overs could be inflated, uh, where the, why the lines rather could be inflated. People prefer to root for something as opposed to against something in most cases. But what are your thoughts on this trend? Yeah, I mean, I, I take that in consideration. I think there's there's way more outs when it comes to unders on season-long props. And I, I really do think books are factoring this in. They don't really care if 71% of unders or 61% hit. They're probably taking more money on the overs anyway. So, um, you know, a lot of these, they're probably rooting for the under um, in, in a sense. So um, I'm not too worried about that. I, I definitely ended up with, you know, probably 80% unders for today. Um, so, yeah, when it comes to over-under props – um, I think there's just more outs than people realize um, for unders. I know we talked about one last year with Joe Flacco. Um, you know, I was projecting him for like 12 interceptions, and I think the line was 13 and a half. But I said there's just way too many outs for the under where um, if he's exceeding that rate for the over, he'd get benched for Lamar Jackson a bit earlier than we thought. Um, and that's sort of what happened. So, you know, when it comes to these props, I do try to take in some game theory. And like Mike mentioned, some more subjective um, approaches to these these types of props so it's not just my projections compare the line and boom I make my pick I, I put a lot of thought into these so um, typically you'll see me pick more unders because of that all right Mike and Sean both of you have your 10 favorite 2019 NFL player props for the season uh, we're going to go through them in reverse order and alternating so uh, Mike give us your 10th favorite player prop this year yeah, I'm going to go uh, to the defensive side of the ball, believe it or not. There's not a ton of those on the board, but I'm going to start with a rookie edge rusher, Josh Allen in Jacksonville. The line here, six and a half sacks at uh, minus 110. Um, I'm going under on this one. I mean, I looked at the past decade. I was kind of curious how, you know, rookie defensive players uh, do in this department. And I noticed that 161 first round picks on the defensive side of the ball played at least one snap as a rookie only 19 got to seven sacks and 15 Ned rushers hit the mark so you know you look at Allen's role here he's not going to step right in as an every down player right you still have Calais Campbell there and Dockway as well on the other side who's who's back in camp even the past few years we've seen Dante Fowler as a number three there and last season I mean you know Campbell and Dockway soaked up a ton of, of snaps and Fowler averaged about 23 snaps a game, only at two sacks in his seven games before they traded him away because he wasn't playing that much. So uh, I think Allen will be a, a terrific player at some point, but I think he's going to have a hard time hitting seven sacks right out of the gate. I totally love this prop. Uh, looking at some of the others that you have, I don't know, for me, this would maybe be, I, I wouldn't say this is number one, but this is one I really like because it, it just, as you said, the snaps are going to be a big issue. And then, uh, you know, a rookie, Adjusting to the NFL, I think that's hard for guys to do in general. And then uh, especially on the defensive line, uh, I think that, that could be an adjustment. Uh, so really like that one. Uh, Sean, give me your 10th favorite. So my 10th favorite um, would be Matt Ryan under 32 and a half touchdowns. Um, right now I haven't projected at 31 and a half. So this isn't some, you know, five-star lock. Uh, but when it comes to him, you know, last year, 
Um, they had to throw a lot more because they lost uh, three key defensive players early in the season. You know, they're and they lost uh, Devontae Freeman too. So I think they're going to be more balanced with Freeman back in the fold, and that's going to, um, you know, they can lean on him a bit more in goal line situations. So I think that's going to hurt Ryan a bit. And plus, they were also extremely lucky with their pass catchers last year. Um, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Mohamed Sanu, and Austin Hooper uh, we're healthy for all 16 games. So any sort of setback and luck there is going to hurt Ryan as well. And just in general, you know, Matt Ryan, if I were to teach like a stats class, Matt Ryan's career game log would be a perfect regression of the mean type of project. Um, once he hit his prime in about 2011, 2012, you know, he alternates going above or below his um, previous year's uh, touchdown production. So he's always going to sort of regress to his career rate of about 5% touchdown rate. Um, so that's where I'm getting 31 and a half. So um, with this market, I, I do lean towards the under. Um, with him, though, we don't really have that many outs when it comes to missed games due to injury. He's he's pretty much an Ironman, and I'm, I'm pretty much pegging him to play all 16 games. So for this one, I'm just betting on his uh, touchdown rate to regress. Yeah, it's hard to imagine him uh, missing a game uh, if the Falcons – uh, are in the playoff race, you know, like that's a, a tough division that they're in. So it's not as if he's going to be sitting out week 16 because they have everything locked up. So yeah, if he misses a game, it would have to be, I'd say solely because of injury. And that just isn't something that's happened with Ryan in the past. It, it might be, you know, the offensive line being pretty bad. I mean, we saw yeah. it the last preseason game, uh, he was getting killed back there. So um, never want to root for an injury, but that's, so that's something that he's never really had happen. So um, I, I do like the under here. Yeah, I think I'm even a little more optimistic than you are on this one. I haven't projected for around 30, a little over 30, so a, a little more room for leeway there. Uh, Mike, uh, number nine, you are also going with the Falcons, running back Devontae Freeman. What are your thoughts with him? I am. Yeah, first of all, uh, sorry, Sean, I, I didn't realize you were wearing a Jag shirt when I started with Josh Allen there on the under, so apologies. <laughs> <laughs> um, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Atlanta here. Uh, first of all, I do have Brian right around 31 touchdowns, so I'm with you guys on that one. Um, but I'm liking the over on the total touchdowns for Devonta Freeman. And listen, I get he's a running back and he missed a lot of time last year. And we know about the injury rate at this position. So this one makes me nervous for sure. Um, but the line's eight and a half and I'm projecting him for closer to 11. So I think he could actually miss some time and still and still reach the nine touchdown mark. So uh, the key really for me is his incredible usage near the goal line prior to uh, to him struggling with that injury last season from 2015 to 17. 29 rushing touchdowns. It was tied for most in the NFL. Is 41 carries inside the five. We're second most. He's actually been top five in carries inside the five each of those previous three full seasons that he's played. And by the way, that's just as a rusher. He also has six receiving touchdowns during that span. So again, yeah, you get nervous with running backs and overs, but I think this line is in the kind of the sweet spot where he can still go over. Sean, do you have any thoughts on that? No, I just think it's a nice correlation play with my Matt Ryan under. 32 and a half touchdowns. So I think if one hits the other, we'll probably hit two. So a uh, good correlation, double bet there. All right, Sean, number nine, you have Jared Goff. What are your thoughts on him? So I have him um, for most passing touchdowns in the league. Um, his, his total is, I believe it's 28 and a half or 27 and a half. If you get a good number. So I'm projecting him for 29. So I didn't really see much value there. Um, but with him, I just think that his ceiling is higher than this market's um, leading on. So I have Patrick Mahomes around 36 and a half to 37, by far my highest touchdown projection. And then I have about 10 QBs um, ranging from 31 and a half to about 28 and a half. Um, so, you know, Goff is sort of in that mix. But with him, last year, the, the Rams by far had the most rush attempts inside the five yard line. Um, so you would just think, you know, with Gurley Hobble, they might regress towards the league average there a bit. And, you know, getting Cooper Cup back is going to help. You know, if they get 
tight ends, Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby evolved, especially in the red zone. That might help. Daryl Henderson's role as a pass catching back might help add a touchdown or two for Goff. Patrick Mahomes and Andrew Luck were the only other QBs that had over 100 attempts in the red zone last year. And Goff had about 10 to 12 less pass touchdowns than both of them. So I, again, this I think this is just taking advantage of his high ceiling. I think people aren't realizing. So, you know, at 26 to 1, you know, I, I would think he should be closer to, you know, 15 to 20 to 1. So at 26 to 1, I think these are the markets where he can take advantage of ceiling. Whereas, you know, the, the over-under props and markets – um, you, you have to factor in the downside a bit in this market. You don't have to factor that at all. So I love taking him at his uh, ceiling here. Yeah, it's nice. And I've seen Goff at 14 to one uh, in the market. So uh, definitely look around, but 26 to one uh, seems like some, some value there. Mike, who do you have at number eight? Uh, next up for me is uh, actually a kind of a twofer here in New England with, with Sony Michelle. Uh, his line right now for rushing yards is 1,000. 13 and a half yards at minus 110. And uh, he's also 50 to one, 50 to one to lead the NFL in rushing yards. And I believe that was down at 30 and then fell to 40. And now it's 50 to one. So yes, he started slow last season, right? He doesn't do much of a pass catcher. That doesn't really matter here, but he, he started slow. He ended up actually playing in 16 games, if you include the playoffs and had 280 carries for 1,267 yards. I mean, that, that number 1267, that would have been third in the league during the regular season. So uh, you know, obviously there's some concerns with his knee here. He needs to stay healthy to hit this mark, but you know, I think he's, you know, he looked good in the, in the preseason so far. And it, and it sounds like he's going to be that lead rusher, uh, on early downs. Keep in mind, they ran the ball in 76% of his snaps last season. And, uh, they were, the Patriots were the fifth, if we're, if we're adjusting for actually, even if you don't adjust for game script, they were the fifth run heaviest team in the NFL. So uh, he's going to get the, the balls in that backfield. And I know you're taking a risk because of, uh, some concerns with his knee, but again, it's 50 to one. So I think at those odds, he's, he's well worth a dart throw. Sean, what do you have for us next at number eight? So at number eight, I, uh, I'm taking advantage of these uh, most receiving, most rushing yards markets, because like I said, w- when it comes to overs, I'm a little more skeptical taking him for season long. Cause like I've mentioned, there's so many outs for the under. Um, and plus these books really don't let me get too much action down. So I like to get, you know, the most bang for my buck. So I'm going with Chris Godwin uh, to lead the league in receiving yards at 100 to one on FanDuel. That line is a joke, and wow. it, it's it's going to correlate nicely with my most passing yards um, pick. So I think if, if this one hits, I'm going to win my most <laughs> passing yards prop too. Coming up later, you know, this is just one where it's way too high of a line. Um, he's set up for a year three breakout. We all know that. Uh, Bruce Arians has mentioned he's never coming off the field. Uh, Mike Evans is, uh, on the other side could help. You know, he's going to draw the top corner most weeks possibly get double teamed um, and Godwin's going to make him pay. So, you know, with all the available targets with uh, Deshaun Jackson, Humphrey's gone. Arians does like to kind of funnel it to three pass catchers. So I think that's going to help. Let's be clear here. You know, Mike Evans is going to be competition in this market. So um, if Evans misses a game or two, that's going to set up nicely for this because uh, it'll take him out of the running and that's just going to boost Godwin even more. So I just think there's way too many outs for him hitting here for it to be a hundred to one. And you know, a lot of the sharper books have them closer to 40 to one. So uh, if you're listening to this run to, I think this is on Fandle run because it's not going to be there for too much longer. Mike, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, it's interesting for sure. I mean, I don't have him close to hitting that mark, but at a hundred to one, I'm, you know, that's why I said, wow, while he was talking, cause I'm like, that seems kind of crazy, but I mean, right now as projected, I have, and, and I don't know where you are, Sean, but I have Evans about 400 yards ahead of, ahead of Godwin. Right. So he would really need, to probably clear Ed Evans in terms of uh, target share, because you would think a lot of his work's going to be in the short to intermediate area. 
uh, which could limit his his receiving yards. Like he's going to need a massive amount of uh, of targets and certainly more downfield work than than I think we anticipate at this point. Yeah, yeah, and I have him seventeenth um, ranked in um, you know receiving yards. I don't think this is something that's likely. But yeah, it's it, you know you also factor in what are the chances of Evans missing a few games, and sure. it's definitely better than 100 to one. So um, yeah, I, I have him about the same, like 300 yards, 300 to 350 yards less than Evans. But there's such a wide range of outcomes for season long props like this that I think getting 100 to one is taking advantage of that. Yeah, and I have Godwin at 20, 22nd in the league in receiving yards for the record, so we're not too far off there. All right, Mike, what do you have at number six? Uh, number six, I'm going back to defense here. Um, I love this one a lot. Again, uh, we're going to go with the over on the combination of sacks for Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, the line 16 and a half. Um, and I have these two guys closer to 20 and a half. Uh, look, re- Melvin Ingram last season had seven sacks in 16 games. Bosa had five and a half in only seven games. And that was actually, I mean, obviously Bosa wasn't 100%. Ingram had one a down season for him. And still, if you extrapolate this, they're going to clear this number at 19 and a half. So it would have been well above the 16 and a half line. Ingram, he's been over seven sacks or at or over seven sacks each of the past four seasons. Bosa up to 28 and a half in 35 career games so far. And, and again, wasn't 100% last year he is now these two are ready to go for week number one they have a lot of pressure on them obviously with Derwin James injured but they are one of the best edge rushing duos in the NFL so again at 16 and a half I think uh honestly I mean if you told me Bosa had like 14 or 15 on his own this year that would not surprise me so adding Ingram who's a stud on the other side I think they blow this one out of the water yeah this line looks really good to me I mean it seems as if what it basically comes down to uh, is health. Are these two guys healthy for a majority of the season? I mean, Mike, is that what you're seeing here? Yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, again, I'm at 20 and a half uh, as kind of your, your most likely outcome for these two. I'm pretty conservative with sacks as well. Um, but that tells me they can miss sometime. They can yeah. afford. They could probably both miss one, you know, two games and still reach 17 sacks. So uh, there's no question about it that they've factored in some risk into these lines. But I think this is one where you can take advantage of it. Yeah. All right, Sean, what do you have for us at number six? So next up, I have um, Nick Chubb uh, getting the most rushing yards. I actually do really, really like this one. He's at 20 to one right now um, on FanDuel. Right now, I have him ranked third in my rushing yard uh, projections. And Zeke Elliott's number two. So there's some baked in upside here if Zeke misses a game or two. Um, that's just going to make Chubb's odds even better. And then, you know, you you have guys like Gurley and Melvin Gordon that really aren't a threat to this market uh, this year. Um, I don't really like Le'Veon Bell. There's just not as much competition near the top. Uh, clearly, Saquon Barkley should be number one and the favorite for this this market. But I just think getting Chubb at 20 to 1, especially, you know, the Browns should have a lot more positive game scripts this year where, um, you know, they're going to run a lot more. Getting rid of Duke Johnson should help. You know, Chubb might be more involved in the passing game. But, you know, I think when Kareem Hunt comes back, uh, Hunt's probably going to spell more in the passing game. There's too many um, outs for for Chubb to kind of hit this market at 20 to 1. So uh, I'm loving this one a lot and wondering if you guys think I'm crazy. Yeah, Mike, what do you think about this? No, I don't think you're crazy. I have him fourth right now, and I'm probably – and I'm like in fantasy circles, I'm low on Chubb, right? So, I, you know, yeah. a lot of people want to take him maybe at the, you know, round two. I'm more like round three for me or in the round two because I do think Kareem Hunt's going to play a pretty substantial amount in the second half, especially with Duke Johnson gone. Uh, that's all – you know, that's the indication that I've had. The problem I have with Chubb – and again, at 20 to 1, it's fine, but – 
you know, I have him, what, I have him like 30 to 40 carries behind guys like Derrick Henry and uh, Saquon Barkley and, and certainly Zeke, assuming he's back for, you know, 15 plus games. And actually, I did, you know, I was wondering, Sean, you mentioned Barkley should be the favorite here. Are you assuming Zeke misses time? Is that because we, we think Zeke's not signed right now? Or either way, do you like Barkley? Because I would say I would I would go with Zeke for this. Yeah, yeah. So to be fair right now, I'm giving Zeke about a game and a half missed for the holdout. I'm just trying to assess, you know, sort of the risk. But yeah, if, if Zeke were to be, you know, and his holdout today, um, I would definitely, I just updated it. I would have Zeke uh, about 100 yards ahead. Uh, of Barkley. So yeah, I, I agree. If, if Zeke is announced, you know, starting week one, um, he should be the clear favorite, but you know, a market like this, that we're just taking advantage of ceiling. So I think it, it is fair to kind of factor in Zeke's risk into this market because game or two missed is going to be huge for uh, this market. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm with you. I'm about a, a hundred, almost exactly a hundred yards <laughs> yeah. uh, Zeke over Barkley. So we're on the nice. same page. All right, Mike, number five, you have Leighton Vander Esch. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, this one, I'm not even joking. I like checked with Caesars because I wasn't sure if they accidentally meant like solo tackles or something because I, I was kind of blown away by this line. So it's 123 and a half combined tackles for Van Der Esch. Uh, here's the thing. He had 140 tackles last year and he was playing 78% of the defensive snaps. I mean, there was times where he was off the field because Sean Lee was healthy. And, you know, we saw kind of a changing of the guard in the playoffs, right? So Van Der Esch played 105 snaps, only 24 for Lee. Lee is back, but he's expected to be the three. Van Der Esch was just too good to keep off the field. So we should expect him and Jalen Smith to be the primary guys. I do think his snaps will be higher this year, and he's going to have a terrific opportunity for tackles. And by the way, if you're wondering if maybe that number was a fluke and, you know, it's not maybe a terribly hard number to, to get to, well, you know, I look back at, at league history, this isn't just linebackers or edge rusher. I mean, it, it's safeties. It's all defensive players that have been drafted in NFL history. Well, Van Der Esch sits 11th on that list for tackles as a rookie. And, and just for, you know, to kind of really drive this home, I'm going to list you the other players on this list, the guys ahead of him. Patrick Willis, Luke Keekley, Darius Leonard, Kiko Alonzo, D'Amico Ryan, Zach Thomas, Chris Spielman, C.J. Mosley, Jarrell Freeman. And Dwayne Bickett. I mean, talk about a list of linebackers right there. Van Der Esch now 11th on that list. Uh, I think this guy is the real deal. You know, at 123 and a half combined tackles, again, already had 140 last year. I think he will clear this number with ease, barring disaster. Yeah, I think it, wouldn't this prop essentially be um, over under 13 games played? For yeah. him, <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, Mike, it's funny because I I read this, I misread this on the outline. I thought it was 123 solo tackles. That's that's how I read this. It's funny uh, that we kind of have the same thought, but yeah, uh, this this uh, is a wonderful prop right here, and uh, I wish I were in Vegas so that I could bet this. Uh, <laughs> Sean, what do you have for us at number five? This is my last most yards prop, but it's uh, my favorite one. It's Jameis Winston most passing yards at 12 to one. Again, I really can't get much action down at books um, for these props. So these are the best way for me to get, you know, some bang for my buck at the end of the year. You know, the Bucks led the league in passing last year. So this isn't some crazy stretch of the imagination. And Winston's the perfect, you know, high ceiling, low floor type of guy that, you know, would be advantageous in a market like this. So I love taking his ceiling here. The defense should still be below average. The running game should still be poor. You know, there's no more Ryan Fitzpatrick or Dirk Cutter. So we're not as afraid of him getting benched. Um, so I think if he plays all 16 games, I, I would think that he should be closer to something like six or seven to one for this. So I'm loving him at 12 to one. And like I said, um, I'm already taking Chris Godwin at 100 to one. So, you know, both of these are kind of correlated. So if, if one hits, the other's even more likely to hit. So I love taking both of these. 
you know, and I've actually seen this at 15 to one around the market. So obviously, uh, people be sure to check uh, around different books and, and, and price shop, find the best line that you can. Mike, what do you think about Winston? I like it. I actually have him about, I, I factored in a little bit of risk for a benching or missed time. You know, obviously last year he was benched, he was suspended, you know, at times he's uh, not, not injuries haven't been a major problem, but uh, you know, he was running the ball more last season. So we have to consider that as well. So I have him uh, closer to 15 games played, whereas most quarterbacks that, that have been able to stay on the field are closer to, uh, you know, almost, almost a full season. And I still have Winston fifth in the league in passing. Eh, about 400 yards off the lead. So, you know, with those odds, I, I'm I'm fine with it. I think it's a, a terrific bet. And if he holds up for the whole season and gets cuts down the interceptions, he can definitely hit this mark. Football season is coming up quick, and DraftKings is the leader in one day fantasy football. Is celebrating with a huge Week One contest. It all starts when Chicago and Green Bay kick off the season with a Thursday night single game showdown contest and 2.5 million dollars in total prizes up for grabs. New users who sign up today on DraftKings using the code NFL Pod will receive a free shot at the $1 million top prize. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching the game quite like having a shot at a million-dollar payday. Draft your single-game showdown lineup and feel the sweat like never before. It's simple. Just draft six players from the season opener, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. But you don't have to wait till week one to get in on the action. Right now, all users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. Download the DraftKings app now to get in on the action. For a limited time, both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus of up to $500. And as an extra special week one bonus, new users can put in the code NFLPOD to receive a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit. Don't forget, that is the code NFLPOD for your free shot at $1 million, only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum of $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25X playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, Mike, we are in the top five. I love this next prop that you have coming at us. Josh Jacobs, what are your thoughts with him at number five? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in on Josh Jacobs. I mean, you just look back at first round running backs and their success in this league over the past decade, and it's kind of it's kind of crazy. It's, it's really hard to believe. In fact, uh, if you look at the 11 running backs selected in the first round from 2012 to 2018, so the most recent 11 prior to Josh Jacobs, the average rushing yardage total, the average for those 11 was 933.8 yards. That in itself is above this 907.5 line. And by the way, that line, guys, includes guys like uh, David Wilson, who yes. barely played. <laughs> it includes Christian McCaffrey who was sharing that back. You know, he was mostly a receiver as a rookie. It includes uh, Melvin Gordon, who missed some time with an injury and was sharing with, uh, I believe it was Danny Woodhead at that point. So I think he's set up uh, very nicely. He's going to be the primary ball carrier here. You're going to have Jalen Richard chipping in as a pass catcher. Doug Martin, I expect to play the same role he did behind Marshawn Lynch last year, which is means he's not going to see the field very much. But, you know, Jacobs, I think, is uh, a legit player, had a terrific broken tackle rate last season at Alabama. Uh, he can generate yards on his own, and he has the size and the path to a major, major rookie season role. So whether it's this line or fantasy or whatever it is, I think uh, Jacobs is going to exceed expectations. Sean, what do you think about Jacobs? And then who do you have at number five? Yeah, I like the Jacobs call. Uh, to be fair, my rushing projections fairly close, but the, the market I saw with him that seems a bit low is the rushing touchdowns. I think DraftKings had about five and a half, and I have him at 6.7. So I think I think there's even more value in the, the touchdown prop 
um, as of now, you know, five and a half is a pretty low number for a workhorse back like him. For me, uh, my next prop is carry on Johnson under a thousand and a half rushing yards. Um, you know, I, I had a ton of shares of carry on Johnson before theoretic, um, was traded. And I, I think that's going to help him in fantasy. I have him as my number 12 back. So I think he's going to be more involved in the passing game, but I'm still worried, you know, CJ Anderson's there. So he could take, you know, eight to nine carries away per game. Kieran Johnson said himself that he's not really a 20 plus touch back. If they're going to limit anywhere, it'd be in the running game. So I haven't projected for 900 yards. And, you know, in his brief history in the NFL, he's, he's had some injuries um, pop up. So I think just this prop, there's too many outs uh, for the under a thousand seems a little bit aggressive. So, so I'm liking the under on this one. Mike, what do you think about uh, about on Johnson there? Yeah, it's funny. I have uh, Johnson 12th and at a running back in fantasy as well. So we're on the same page. I, I think Johnson can easily get to 55, maybe 60 receptions. Mike Rothstein recovers the line said I was a little optimistic at 60 catches. But, but I mean, Theo Riddick was in that range last year and he missed, uh, what, three or four games and he's gone. So uh, and Johnson, not to mention, was on the pace for about 50 catches. Uh, on his own last year. So um, I, I think he's going to really be a terrific asset because of his passing game chops. And I do think he'll get around 200 carries actually I'm at 218, but you know, I, I still have him at 985 rushing yards, even with a pretty gigantic role and being really optimistic about this kid. I still think he falls short of that mark. So uh, I, I'm, I'm with you for sure, Sean. I, I love the under on the rushing yards. Yeah. I haven't projected for 205 rushing attempts. So I think we're all kind of in that same, uh, that same range there. Sure. Mike, uh, who do you have at number four? Uh, number four for me is another running back that I love. Again, uh, you were just talking, Sean, about rushing touchdowns uh, on, on Jacobs. And I agree with that one. I wish I could get that line at Caesars. We don't have it there right now, but um, you can get the over, uh, the over on the rushing touchdowns for Chris Carson. The line here is seven. Uh, I have him at nine rushing touchdowns. You know, the Seahawks obviously operated the, the run heaviest offense in the league last season. Forty nine percent of the time they ran the ball. And Chris Carson was clearly their lead back. And all reports indicate that's not going to change. Rashad Penny, you know, looks looks good. He looks fine, but he's not close to a threat to Carson right now, who appears to be the real deal. And here's the thing. Last year, Chris Carson missed a couple games, only appeared in 14. Still, seventh in the league in carries, seventh in rushing touchdowns with nine. He ranked fourth in carries inside the opponent's five-yard line with 13. And he was only one off the lead in carries from the one-yard line with nine of those. So I know Penny's there, but Mike Davis is gone. This is Carson's backfield, and he showed us last year. He can miss some time and still cruise past this line. So again, running back overs make me nervous, but I like this one. Sean, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, so I mean, I've talked about length um, on our running back pods and sleeper pods. I love Carson because of his rushing touchdown upside. And I've mentioned before, but, you know, Russ Wilson only had three rushing attempts inside the 10-yard line last year. Uh, DeAndre Washington and Capri Bibbs had more. And, you know, a lot of people don't even know who those guys are. Um, but, yeah, I, I love Chris Carson. They're still going to use him at 10 near the goal line. I think they're trying to, you know, protect Russell Wilson. They don't really want him scrambling near the end zone. So, um, I love the over here. I have him around eight. So you have some wiggle room here. But yeah, I love Chris Carson over seven rushing touchdowns if you get that number. My next prop is Kyler Murray over 3,400 passing yards. Um, that's the lowest line I've seen at the moment. I'm not sure if, you know, I've been drinking the Kool-Aid too much with you and Raybon, your <laughs> Kyler Murray cult. But I, I just think a market like this, he doesn't really have to be good. If you're attacking him in the touchdown markets, I think, you know, he's going to have to be efficient and good. I'm in the red zone to hit those, but this one just seems a little too easy to go over. You know, I haven't projected around 3,700 and you guys make fun of me for being low on him. So uh, there's some room there, but this is, you know, if you factor him, let's say he misses one game, 
um, which sounds about right. You know, that would be about 227 passing yards a game. And we already know that, you know, they're going to play out of the shotgun a lot. They're going to throw a ton. And their defense is going to be a lot worse than I think people realize. You know, Patrick Peterson is going to be out the first six weeks. And then Robert Alford, um, who they just acquired, he's placed on IR. So I think, you know, the defense is going to be really shaky. They're going to be forced to throw. We know they're going to be a faster paced offense this year in general. So I think a, a problem like this, he doesn't even have to be good uh, to go over. So I, I love this number. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Sean, you have Kyler Murray there at number four. Mike, what are your thoughts on Kyler Murray? Yeah, I like that a lot. In fact, uh, when we talked about Kyler on the daily wager back in April, the line was already over 3,500 yards. So I'm honestly surprised you can get it lower. Um, you know, and it's kind of funny. If you look back at the five quarterbacks picked first overall that who pl- uh, played in at least 14 games over the past decade, all of them cleared that mark. What is it, 34 or something? I mean, all of them yeah. had at least 30, all, yeah, all of them had at least 3,500 passing yards. You know, Murray's going to step in as a week one starter. Also, the league continues to change. I mean, 24 out of 32 teams reached 3,500 passing yards last year. So uh, this is, you know, we're talking about a kid who can run the ball, sure, but also set the FBS record for yards for a pass attempt last season. So, uh, yeah, if you can get that, I mean, I'm, at, I'm over 3,800 yards in my projection at 95% of the dropback. So I'm with you there. Yeah, this is one of my favorites. Uh, probably not a surprise. Uh, Mike, who do you have at number three? Uh, yeah, I think I might be a little stubborn on this one because the line keeps going up as much as I keep hammering this one home. Uh, every time I talk about it in an article or online, it's like the line moves a, a half touchdown. But it's Philip Rivers passing touchdowns. The line right now is 28 and a half. I have him at, at 30 touchdowns, so I'm not too far off. But again, the, it, that, that line keeps getting closer and closer to me. But here's the thing. He should be a near lock to get to this mark. You know, he's, he's actually reached 28 passing touchdowns, nine of the past 11 seasons. He's gotten there each of the past six. He had 32 last year. Um, and if you look deeper at this offense, there's, there's really two things that stand out to me. 78% of the Chargers offensive touchdowns have been passes over the past seven seasons. That is the highest mark in the NFL, and it's not even close. I, I believe the second closest team is at 72%. It's just, uh, it's just a, an, a, a, you know, a feature, I think is the word I'm looking for, of this Chargers offense when Phillip Rivers has been there, is that they just score a lot, of, a lot of their touchdowns through the air. So you like that. And the other one, guys, is he hasn't missed a game since week one of the 2016 season. Like Ever since he replaced Drew Brees, he has played in every game. That's, that's incredible. So you, you, know, you talked about it before, Sean. You don't really have to worry here about injury it just hasn't been a problem for him and it should be a very back of your mind it's just not really a major concern so I think there's a lot of reasons to jump on the over here yeah I have him projected for right around 30 Sean what are your thoughts on this yeah I, I like the over on 20 and a half I think that's a great number I haven't projected uh 29.7 uh passing touchdowns and I think I saw it was about a month ago someone was floating uh 32 and a half I like the under for that mm-hmm. I mean if there were ever a guy to middle for, you know, four touchdown cushion, it'd be him. I think it's very, very likely he's going to finish between 29 and 32 touchdowns. Um, so, you know, look for a guy like him, look for different numbers and you could possibly middle it. Uh, but yeah, I agree with everything you guys said. And, you know, um, he gets Hunter Henry back this year. So he has Hunter Henry, Mike Williams. And then if Melvin Gordon misses a handful of games, you know, Austin Eckler is much more of a pass catching back. So everything just kind of leans towards Rivers going over. And, you know, he's probably the least likely quarterback to miss a game um, in my model. So uh, I love the over 20 and a half. So Sean, who do you have at number three? So number three, I have Mark Ingram under seven and a half rushing touchdowns. Uh, again, this is a guy that I, I do like him fancy. I think he's going to be the workhorse back for the Ravens. Um, you know, playing alongside Lamar Jackson should help his efficiency. You know, I'm projecting him for about 50, 
19 and 20 touches a game. However, uh, w- once they get around the goal line, you know, Lamar Jackson last year, if you, if you um, expand his, his rushing stats with, inside the 10 yard line, his rushing attempts across a full season, he would rank fourth or fifth last year. So, you know, Mark Ingram is going to have to compete with Lamar Jackson for, um, you know, rushing touchdowns. He's, you still have Justice Hill there who could break out this year. Gus Edwards could become, you know, a goal line vulture type of back. And, you know, honestly, the Ravens sometimes seem like they're just trying to set up Justin Tucker field goals. So there's just a lot of outs that can go f- towards the under uh, for Ingram here. You know, injury, Lamar Jackson being efficient, you know, carrying the ball around the goal line. Like I mentioned, Justin Justice Hill could break out. So I just love the under at seven and a half here. I'm projecting him closer to six this year. The idea of the Ravens bypassing touchdowns so they can give Justin Tucker field goal. <laughs> There's been some times I've tweeted that Harbaugh is totally just, you know, trying to win his fantasy league with Tucker. Mike, yeah. um, what are your thoughts on uh, on Ingram's touchdown prop? Yeah, I love this. I was looking at uh, the, the Ravens offense with Lamar Jackson as the starter last year, right? So he made eight starts. The Ravens had three carries as a team inside the three-yard line during those eight starts. None of them, guys, were by a running back. There were two for Jackson, one by Max Williams. So that tells you, uh, you know, that's, that's one kind of interesting nugget. You know, the Ravens running backs as a whole had four rushing touchdowns during Jackson's starts. That was fifth lowest in the NFL. I mean, I, I'm with you. I mean, Ingram has been a premier asset near the goal line during his time in New Orleans in terms of volume and, you know, and, and racking up a lot of touchdowns. But I'm just not sure if he's going to get enough work in that area in this offense that the running backs certainly did, uh, did not last year. Yeah, that's that's fair. And there always is the chance that uh, even if he is still a a good back near the goal line, um, as you mentioned, he won't get that opportunity, but then he could also decline in skill as he's approaching age 30. So, uh, yeah, I I like this one. Multiple outs for it. Uh, Mike, we are now at number two. Uh, Who is it that you were looking at for this one? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Alvin Kamara here. Uh, the line is 1,699.5 rushing plus receiving yards here. So essentially 1,700 scrimmage yards. And I'm going to, uh, with the under on this one, to be clear. So last year, four running backs reached 1,700 yards. Kamara, not one of them. In fact, uh, he's been top six at running back in scrimmage yards in both of his pro seasons, but has been well below 1,700 yards in both of those seasons. He had 1,554 and 1,592. 81 catches both seasons, sure, but he's yet to clear 194 carries in a single season. And yes, maybe that carry number goes over 200 this year. It's possible. It's going to be hard to improve on his receiving numbers. It's also going to be hard to improve on his uh, his efficiency, which has been outstanding. I mean, you're really counting on a lot to get him up to 1,700 yards. And look, I know Mark Ingram's gone. We just talked about him. But Latavius Murray is in, and they're going to use him plenty as a ball carrier. They they already said, I mean, they're making it very clear to us that they do not want to improve, uh, increase Kamara's workload much, if at all. Uh, and if they don't do that, you're counting on like world-class efficiency to get him to 1,700 yards. That's not something I'm going to bet on. So for me, I'm going to be hammering the under on this one. Yeah, Sean, I think Latavius Murray is one of your favorite fantasy picks uh, so far because of uh, the things that Mike mentioned there. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I actually put out um, sort of a joke tweet yesterday making fun of how much Latavius Murray I have in best ball. So check that out if you want to laugh. Um, But yeah, I I would love for Kamara to hit the under here. I never want to root for an injury. So hopefully it's because he got suspended for like four four games for something. But I agree with everything that Mike said. Um, I, I love the under here. All right. And Sean, number two. Uh, who do you have here? So <laughs> Robbie Anderson is my boy. I feel like I'm always defending him on our pod, but I love the under 950 receiving yards this year. For starters, he's never gone over. 
And that's despite, you know, being the last couple of years being the only receiver uh, that the Jets have. So uh, I just think it's going to be tough for him to, to pass this up after they bring in Jamison Crowder, a great press catching back like Le'Veon Bell, uh, Quincy was healthy again. And then, you know, Chris Herndon, um, once he returns from suspension, will be back in the fold. So um, I just don't know how he'll get here, especially since uh, Gase is, you know, he's expanding his route tree to not just go deep every time. So, you know, I've, I've been boosting his his reception total. You know, he made a nice comeback route uh, in the last preseason game. I think he'll he'll get more targets this year, but I think his yards per catch should go down. Um, I just don't see him going over 950. I have him at 850, and I, I feel like I'm always way too high on Robbie Anderson. So I, I love the under here. Yeah, Sean, I think of myself as a Robbie Anderson optimist, uh, even just since the time that he yeah. entered the league. Yeah. And I'm with you right there. I have him projected for even uh, fewer yards, uh, 837. Um, so I, I like this number quite a bit. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just I might be wrong. Part of it is... Um, I'm not all that optimistic on Adam Gase and his ability to right. transform this offense. Uh, so kind of from a top-down approach, uh, I might be a little biased on this. Mike, what are your thoughts on Robbie Anderson? Yep, I'm with you. I'm at 875, so uh, I like the under there. And again, I'm an, I'm an Anderson optimist. And, and that's despite the fact that, and I've tweeted this before, if you look at his cornerback matchups, his projected cornerback matchups for all 16 games, it's brutal. I mean, it might be the <laughs> toughest slate in the NFL this season. Uh, wow. A lot of shadow coverage from some terrific players. So uh, that could hurt. I will say this, though. I believe the la- at last check, his receiving touchdown line was six or six and a half. And I like that. I like the over there a lot. He's been top 10 in end zone targets each of the past two seasons. And I like what I saw from Sam Darnold late last season. Actually, uh, these two connected for three touchdowns in the final four games. Darnold's look good this preseason. So um, I think he can hit the over on the touchdowns, but uh, I'm with you. I, I'm low on I'm low, much lower on the, uh, the receiving yards. All right, Mike. Number one, your favorite 2019 season-long prop. Who is it? Well, you guys may not have heard about this guy. I, I don't know. He's a new up-and-comer. He hasn't achieved much in the in the NFL so far. So uh, his name's Thomas Brady. He was a quarterback at Michigan. I don't know if you guys know him, but uh, I think he might go over his passing yards uh, his passing yardage line this year. Right now, it's it's actually dropping for some reason, but it's at 4139.5. That's the passing yardage line. My projection right now, especially, and, and by the way, my line did go up. My projection went up after Josh Gordon was reinstated. It's now at 4423. So we're talking almost 300 yards higher than this line. And the line did not move when Josh Gordon was activated. So I think you can jump on this one. It's even better now than it was a couple of weeks ago. So Look, last year, Tom Brady threw for 4,355 yards, well above this line. And that was with the Patriots, again, operating the fifth run heaviest offense in the NFL. Uh, Brady's been over this line seven of the past eight seasons, assuming we extrapolate 2016 when he was, of course, suspended for four games. He hasn't missed a game, much like Rivers before. He hasn't missed a game since that uh, knee injury in 2008 after the historic 07 season and uh, the efficiency if you're looking at you know per play efficiency in terms of yards per attempt he's been I believe it's top 17 in yards per attempt each of the past uh, six seasons so uh, the guy's still good I know he's up there in age but this line is way too low for a guy that again delivered the goods in an ex- in, a, in a very run heavy offense last season Mike I think the big question that people are going to have when looking at this is what is the impact of Gronk's absence on Tom mm-hmm. Brady for an entire season how have you taken that into account yeah, definitely. Uh, that's that's going to factor in. You know, I, I obviously connect the quarterbacks to the receivers, and they affect each other in, in terms of uh, in terms of these numbers. But 
you know, you've seen this, I'm sure, publicized over in the last week or so since Gordon was activated. But, you know, in, in terms of splitting up all the receivers he's thrown to in his career, Brady is uh, yards per attempt is highest with Josh Gordon. And again, the sample's small. You don't want to overreact to that. But, you know, they obviously had uh, uh, success connecting with each other last season. He also has Julian Edelman. We'll see if they get anything out of Nikhil Harry or Jacoby Myers, who's, who's looked apart. And Demarius Thomas might be cleared as well. So I think if you look at their wide receiver group, at this time last season, you you actually think it's an improvement. You know, I didn't even mention James White, who who could catch uh, 700 yards worth of balls this season. So uh, I know losing Gronk hurts for sure, but it's not like this guy was, you know, a, a massive factor last season again, and they were running the ball, and he still cleared this number easily. So I get that concern for sure, but I think there's enough bodies here in this offense, still a very good offensive line that uh, Brady will hit the mark. Plus, by the way, guys, there's a chance they throw the ball more this year. It's very possible that that happens. I don't know why they would. I think it, it worked pretty well last season, but they could conceivably throw the ball more. They were a pass-first offense for about a decade before kind of making a little bit of an adjustment last year. Sean, what are your thoughts on the Tom Brady prop? Yeah, I, I liked it over. Um, as Mike mentioned, I, I gave him a bit of a boost after um, Josh Gordon was reinstated. So I have him closer to 4,300 yards. So it, it is weird that they haven't adjusted and they're, they're lowering it. Um, so that's bizarre. And, you know, again, he's one of those guys where we're pretty sure he's going to play all 16 games. So there, there isn't as much risk in taking it over on a, a prop like this. Sean, your favorite prop for the 2019 season. Who is it? So right now I'm loving the uh, Le'Veon Bell under eight and a half rushing touchdowns. He's only gone over that total once in his five seasons at Pittsburgh. Um, and that was on a much you know, higher scoring offense. Workload has never been a problem for him. So I don't know why people think going to the Jets, he's all of a sudden going to get more touches. You know, the, the line's going to be worse. You know, they're going to be a slower paced team and lower scoring than the Steelers. So, you know, this is just a little too high. And with Le'Veon Bell, there's always more outs on the under. So getting a number like eight and a half, I, I've seen seven and a half. That's probably the most common line. Um, I'm not as you know bullish on that, but you know, eight and a half um, on FanDuel is just way too high. So give me the under. This is one of those ones where, you know, I'm going to put even more on it because I just think there's there's way too many outs um, for this under under to hit. Mike, what are your thoughts on this? And, and like for uh, Sean, for back-to-back picks, you are going uh, against Jets players. Uh, some sort of bias you must have expected Not- <laughs> on social media about this. But uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on this? I love it. I haven't met six rushing touchdowns and I've been considered too optimistic about Bell this season. Uh, here's the thing. I mean, if you really look into Gase's tendencies and you covered it, a lot of it, Sean, but he also refused to run the ball at the goal line. It was unbelievable how little he ran the ball. There's a reason Frank Gore like that. What was that season? He had zero rushing touchdowns. Well, if you look at Gase's three seasons in Miami, the, the Dolphins ran the ball 23 times inside the five-yard line during those three seasons. That was by far fewest in the NFL. It's not even close. I mean, it was just – it's almost hard to believe that that number was that low <laughs> over those three seasons. So uh, we'll see if that changes in New York, but I doubt it, right? I, why Why would it? You know, especially when they invested a bit in uh, in the wide receiver room. They have Chris Herndon once he's back from suspension, and, and obviously Le'Veon Bell will do a lot of damage as a pass, uh, pass catcher as well. So I think Bell will be closer to nine scrimmage touchdowns, but I think three of them come as a receiver. All right, so we have players who don't have lines yet, uh, and as we are entering into week four, uh, I would expect for there to be some lines that are posted, uh, but Sean – uh, you have made suggestions of players we should talk about and figure out what their lines probably should be so that when they are released, people can pounce on them immediately. So uh, who are the players you want to focus on? 
So, so I have some uh, goofy props, and so I'll start with one of the goofy props. But, you know, I saw sportsbooks after Baker Mayfield was, you know, kind of calling out the Giants for drafting Daniel Jones. Uh, a lot of sportsbooks, you know, they got cute, so they made some Mayfield versus Jones props. You know, they did, like, most passing touchdowns, and they had to make Baker, like, minus 2,000. So I'm going to help them out here. I think this one is pretty even, and I'm curious to hear what your guys' uh, pick is. But who will have more rough yards this year, Baker Mayfield or Daniel Jones? <laughs> well, I'll jump in. I have uh, I have Jones making five starts, so I'm not sure if that's enough to even this out. Um, I have him with 76 yards in those games. I have Mayfield with 162 playing almost the entire season. So for me, this one's not even close. But uh, listen, I do think if Jones plays, he's going to surprise a lot of people with his legs. So maybe I'm a little low there, maybe a little conservative on the, the yards per carry. It's obviously a lot better than what I have for Eli, <laughs> but um, I'm going to lean Baker barring uh, disaster with uh, Eli Manning at some point. Yeah, I have numbers that are actually remarkably similar to Mike's. Uh, I have 165 rushing yards for Baker playing uh, almost the entire season. Uh, and then for Jones, I have him playing, I believe at this point, I bumped it up to four, uh, four games, and I have him at around 73 rushing yards. Yep, we're close. So I'm obviously more bullish on Jones playing time this year. This is essentially uh, Daniel Jones over under seven starts, I feel like. Um, so my, my per game stats, I, I would have it being pretty much even um, at around seven starts or so. Um, so yeah, I thought this was the fun one and the, you know, the Twitter polls I put up on these to kind of, um, you know, sharpen these for you guys, 80% of the people pick Mayfield. So I just think, you know, people are probably underestimating, you know, potential playing time for Daniel Jones, but obviously this is, this is just a goofy prop. It's, it's really hard to nail down, but I, I think it's going to be closer than people think. So next up I have Jimmy G total interceptions this year. I think this is a very topical prop to float out there. Um, but I have 14 and a half. Uh, I would take the under. I'm at 12.6. I have him playing out most of the season. I am Mullins really making one start, maybe a few snaps in another game. That said, I do have pretty strong concerns about Garoppolo, you know, so I, it would not shock me by any means if he went over on this one. I mean, he already has, he's uh, already has more turnovers than games played with the 49ers, 13 turnovers in nine games. And I think that's something that's not discussed enough, but maybe it will be now, right? Cause he had that that practice with five straight picks and, and has struggled so far in the preseason. But uh, for me, I'm still coming in at, at 12.6 here. Yeah, I'm at 12, uh, but I, I do want to echo uh, the concerns that Mike expressed. At the same time, I always go back and forth in terms of like if a guy is throwing interceptions in practice, what does that mean? Does that mean that he's sort of testing the bounds of what he can get away with, which I, I think is a good thing and kind of the, the point of practice. And, uh, you know, in, in the preseason before Mahomes just exploded last year, you were getting reports of him throwing lots of interceptions in practice. So I'm, I'm always unsure about how I uh, should interpret stuff like this. But in general, I think it's not a good thing if a veteran is throwing interceptions in practice. So I could see how he hits the, the over, but I'm going to go with the under for now. Yeah, so I mean, it was the practice reports and then the game. I mean, one interception out of six attempts and then he threw it it should have been a pick six that got dropped so again that was you know 33 percent of his passes should have been intercepted so i think this is a prop that i haven't seen floated at sports books but they're definitely going to float this out there because it's topical so I, I bumped him up just slightly at 14 and a half and I, i'm just curious if you guys think you know let's say he just starts the year off throwing picks left and right is I, I think there's a chance he could almost get ahead of the pace so much that they almost consider benching him for a guy like Mullins. So 
Um, mm-hmm. I think that this is like, this goes back to what I was saying about Flacco's prop last year. I think books might get cute and offer like a 15 and a half or something. And that's when I would hammer the over. Cause I think it's going to get blown out of proportion. And also if it, if it gets really out of hand, um, he'll get benched before he can uh, surpass that number. Yeah. Sean hammer the under on 15 and a half, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> all right, All right. Up. What, what do you have next year uh so i have todd Gurley rushing yards and i don't think you're going to see a sports book float this but we might get something like this uh next week um usually sports books get a little more aggressive after the the last preseason game to do uh props even even as um sketchy as a todd Gurley prop but um i have them at 905 and a half and curious to see if you guys are over under that i am over I'm at 1067. I've been more optimistic on Gurley. Um, I think a lot of the concerns have come from outside the organization. You know, the Sean McVay, Todd Gurley, none of them, they seem more annoyed than concerned uh, with his knee. And and again, I factored it in. I mean, if I didn't, I'd still be picking him in the top five in fantasy drafts, which I'm not. But I still think he's going to get enough run as a ball carrier to clear a thousand rushing yards. And, you know, there was all that ridiculous Daryl Henderson hype at some point, uh, you know, throughout the offseason. His ADP got really out of control in fantasy. You know, he struggled so far. You're hearing the reports that you're going to see more Malcolm Brown than we thought. But Gurley, it's going to have to be a disaster for him to not get to a thousand yards last season. And by the way, Caesars uh, also not doing uh, rushing yards, but they are doing total touchdowns for Todd Gurley and the line mm. is 12. Uh, for that one so I thought that was interesting yeah it's interesting in that I've been moving Gurley down just a a little bit throughout the offseason and so I now have him at 989 so I'm I'm still on the over the weird thing is that I think he can have a season that disappoints from a yardage perspective but still end up having like 15 touchdowns that is totally within the the range of outcomes that I think a lot of, of fantasy players aren't taking into account that he could still be the, the goal line guy in a very prolific offense. So that's something to, to keep in mind. But I, I do think that the, the yardage will come down. All right, Sean, uh, what do you have for us next? All right, so um, next up, who will have more receiving yards out of the uh, two rookie tight ends, uh, TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fant? And I have, the, I have them both at uh, 447 right now. So I, I was just curious if you guys were leaning one way or the other on these two. Let's see. Four. You said four forty-seven. Okay, I'm at four seventy-one for Hawkinson, four fifty-nine for Fan. So I, I mean, I guess I'm a little higher, but they are very, very close to the point that I would not. Uh, I don't know if I would bet that at all. I mean, I guess I would lean towards Hawkinson just because there are reports that Fan's struggling a bit, and the reports are positive on Hawkinson. Uh, not to mention that. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you would think Jesse James will focus primarily on blocking, right? That should open the door for Hawkinson to pick up a few more targets. Uh, but Fant seems, you know, he should be focused on pass catching in Denver once he's ready to go. Um, of course, with Emmanuel Sanders and Deshaun Hamilton, they might they have a lot of sort of underneath short and, and intermediate area targets. So uh, that's a tough one. Again, if I, if I was forced to pick, I'd lean Hawkinson, but I think I'd avoid. Yeah, I have Hawkinson at 461. Sean, what was the number that you put out? There was a 474 or 472? I was at 447 for both oh, of them. Way off, 447. So uh, yeah, 461 is what I have for Hawkinson. For Fant, I'm almost embarrassed to say that I'm pretty optimistic on him. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with uh, Joe Flacco and his uh, affinity for tight ends. But I have him projected for around 500 yards. So I'm going with Fant on that one. But it's a difference of 40-ish yards. I don't know. I mean, I'd probably just tend to stay away. But Fant, I'm giving the edge to. I was sort of there with you before, you know, Manuel Sanders made his yeah. miraculous recovery. So I've I've updated since then. Um, 
boosting up Emmanuel Sanders and I, I took Fant down just a little bit because I think that will ding him because I, I was right there with you on that. Okay, I think you have one more for us here. Yeah, I was saving the best for last. So we're going to have to do our annual Josh Gordon prop. This is obviously not going to end up anywhere near my number. It's going to be way over or way under. But right now I have the prop set at 720 and a half uh, receiving yards. Wow. And I was criticized for, for being too low on Josh Gordon with my initial projections. Um, wow, geez. Yeah, I'm at a 962 and that's a 14 game projection. So maybe I'm, uh, you know, expecting too much. <laughs> expecting too much that he's going to be on the on the field for the you know a good chunk of the season but yeah I don't know I mean you just saw them use him as a vertical target last season obviously there was uh quite a bit of efficiency there um you know on downfield I talked before about that connection in terms of yards for attempt. so yeah I'm at I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on the over on that one guys yeah Sean I'm going to tell you that I'm taking the over but then before I give you my number I want to ask you a question how many games are you projecting Gordon for this year right now I have 12 okay all right, so I'm projecting for around 13, and I'm around 950-ish yards. And I think I'm probably too optimistic on the games played, if we're, if we're being honest. But I think once he's on the field, the connection that he has with Brady will be something that is a, a big boost to that offense. Because once he came back last year and he was healthy, he didn't have the hamstring uh injury which kind of plagued him for the first couple of weeks once he really got into the flow of that offense I thought he was a a pretty good receiver who was pacing for you know like a thousand yards 1100 yards for the season so it's just I I think he can continue to do something like that it's just a question of how many games he's going to play I'm kind of curious Sean where you have him in fantasy because you know I had like an auction and a draft right after that news broke I was actually in Canton right when that happened and he went way for way more money than expected he went way earlier than the draft than expected and I'm sitting there like man you know I have him at over 900 yards six touchdowns and you know I'm at 14 games so it's pretty optimistic and still I'm painfully low so (laughs) (laughs) initially I I bumped him up to 26 because I was given like 14 and a half games and then I thought better I went down to 12 but yeah I, I would say around wide receiver 32 or 34 that's right about where I think that the risk is worth it there's just a, a wide range of outcomes but if you're getting him as you know your wide receiver three or even starting uh, to dip into your bench or flex I think it's a no-brainer to, to take him because just the the rewards well worth uh you know the the little bit of risk that you know he might only play six games or something this year all right i would say strong to quite strong was this episode fantastic conversation with mike uh mike what content of yours should people check out at espn yeah we're actually uh, it's good timing we're working on kind of our big betting prop article if you will kind of our, our mega preview for the season which is going to be up soon over at espn chalk um i have my big nfl preview coming out as well with power rankings and all that fun stuff my unit grades that i post on on Twitter, you know, and, and all the usual stuff. Of course, Daily Wager to 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2 weekdays. And uh, we're going to have one Sunday morning, guys. You got to talk, uh, you know, gambling's a thing now if you haven't heard. So 9 a.m. I'm excited. Can't wait. Uh, it's going to be a, a crazy season. And uh, we'll check back in a few months and see how we did. All right. Be sure to follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Clay NFL. You can follow Sean and me in the Action Network app at the underscore odds maker and Matt F. The Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. That is going to do it for this episode of the Action Network podcast. Please subscribe to and rate interview the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. See you again next episode. 